Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Good morning, good morning. God is, he's on the move. He's doing something. He's, uh, he's always working behind the scenes, and uh, we're going to see his kingdom come. Amen. In our lives, in our city, in our nation. So I do have some, some funny things for you today. Uh, so you just get your laugher warmed up. So ha, ha, ha. He, 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 he. Ha, ha, ha. You know, adults only laugh 14 times a day. That's crazy. Children laugh 200 times a day. Adults, we only laugh 14 times. So we need to, we need to bump those numbers up and laugh more. God is joyful, amen. Jesus was filled with the oil of gladness beyond all his companions. So you know what that means? If Jesus was here, he'd be far more joyful than anybody else in this room. He would have been the one dancing and spinning like the little, like the girl over there inspired me. That was amazing. Okay, so I got some funny stuff. I didn't make it to the gym today. That makes five years in a row. (laughs) Consistent though. Okay, so this next thing, this is the hormone guide. So this was designed to help us men out. This is for us men. So there's three categories. There's dangerous, safer, and safest. So dangerous, what's for dinner? Safer, can I help you with dinner? Safest, where would you like to go for dinner? (laughs) Dangerous, are you wearing that? Safer, Wow, you sure look good in brown. (laughs) Safest, wow, look at you. Dangerous, what are you so worked up about? (laughs) Safer, could we be overreacting? (laughs) That's the worst. That's also dangerous. (laughs) Safest, here's my paycheck. (laughs) Dangerous. Should you be eating that? Yeah. (laughs) Safer. You know, there are a lot of apples left. (laughs) Safest. Can I get you a piece of chocolate to go with that? (laughs) Dangerous. What did you do all day? Safer. I really hope that you didn't overdo it today. (laughs) Safest, I've always loved you in that robe. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you so much. Um, God, I just thank you for this uh, word that you have for us today. I just pray for the anointing uh, that breaks the yokes of bondage on this word today. God, that it would fill our heart. God, we just ask for upgrades today. Lord, I just release upgrades today and just uh, stewarding, God, uh, what you've done in our lives. And we just receive breakthrough today through this message. God, I just pray your anointing would just be so powerful today in Jesus' name. Amen. So did you guys enjoy uh, Dave and Taff last week? That was so good. So good. It was such an honor to have them. 
And this message today, it's kind of picking up uh, where Dave left off. Uh, I was really inspired by his message, and so it's kind of like launching off from that point. I was just meditating on his message last week. So I want to share a testimony with you. Um, and this is, um, there were so many testimonies from last week, and then there was testimonies from this week. And, uh, but I want to share one of the favorite things, maybe my favorite thing that happened um, over the last weekend. Um, Steve Bax, uh, who was here in the first service, um, he hosted all 10 of the BSSM students on Saturday night for dinner. So the pre, not last Saturday, obviously, but the one before. So he hosted them all for dinner and made dinner for them. And um, his girlfriend, Jeanette, was there, and she brought her son, who is unsaved. And long story short, um, the, the BSSM team started to just pray over him and prophesy over him. And uh, he, was, he was very intrigued by just what was happening. And the next day, um, one of the students came in and um, went right over to Steve, and he said, I ha- the Lord was speaking to me in the night last night that... Um, this young man that they were ministering to is going to get saved, and I need to go talk to him right now. Like, right now is the chance, or my, my chance I need to go talk to him. So Steve gets him an Uber. They call him and say, is it okay if this guy comes over? He says, yes. Steve Ubers one of the team back over to meet this guy. He spends 45 minutes talking to him, and he leads him to the Lord. Yeah, so he gave his heart to the Lord. Yeah, amen. Give the Lord praise. And you know, it just made me think, like, if that's the only thing that happened from last week, that made the whole conference worthwhile. You know, all those people coming, um, that made it all worthwhile. And so, so good. Um, just love that testimony. So about, my wife and I have been in our house for about 15 years, and about, uh, I, was, I think it was a little over 10 years ago, uh, we decided we wanted to try a garden in our backyard. And so we took about, um, I'd say probably about uh, 10 foot by like eight foot space. And uh, I was, we were really ambitious. I went to Home Depot and I got like a rototiller and came and just tilled up all the ground in that space. And if you've ever tried to do that with Arizona ground, you probably know what happened. Um, it was just so much rocks. It's just full of, Arizona ground is just full of rocks. And it's not like Michigan. I grew up in Michigan. And in Michigan, you could probably just literally just stick your hand in the soil and just pick it up. I mean, it's, it's just like moist, rich, black soil. Not so in Arizona. So we get this tiller and I'm just tilling up all the ground, and I ended up filling up, uh, I think about close to three five-gallon buckets with rocks that I took out of this thing. Just, you know, big, small rocks, all kinds of rocks, just trying to get all the rocks out of this thing. And so after I get all these rocks uh, collected, I was like, what am I going to do with all these rocks? I don't know what to do with this. So there's a Across the street from our house, there's a, a big desert area. And I was like, well, I'm just going to take them and dump them. And so I dumped these rocks all in a pile and end up being a pile probably about, you know, a foot and a half high and about a foot and a half round, just this big pile of rocks. So that was like 11 years ago. Well, to this day, that big pile of rocks is still in the same spot and exactly like, like it was when I dumped it there. And which, you know, I would never thought, well, 10 years later, that, that rock pile is still going to be there. I thought some, somebody will kick it over, the rain will wash it away. It's still there. It's just a big pile of rocks. I see it every time I go over there. So today, I want to talk to you about building pillars in your life. Building pillars in your life. I want to read a, a passage out of Genesis 28. Um, this passage is about Jacob. And this is right after Jacob slept on the rock and he has the encounter with God where he sees this open heaven. He sees this ladder coming down, touching the ground, angels ascending and descending. 
So he wakes up from that encounter, and this is where we're picking it up. Uh, Genesis 28, I'm going to read verses 18 through 22. It says, So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that, had, uh, that he had put under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on its top. He called the name of that place Bethel. However, previously the name of the city had been Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. This stone, which I have set up as a pillar, will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So Jacob set up a pillar as a memorial and as a reminder of the encounter that he had with God at that place. This was a a memorial and a reminder that he had met God here. He had actually encountered God here and had this amazing encounter. So number one, we need to have memorials or pillars in our lives that remind us of our encounters with God. And every time I see that rock pile, it reminds me of my garden that we tried and now it's just just a big empty space. But it reminds me of what we did when we built that garden. And we need to build pillars into our lives, things that we bump into that remind us of the encounters that we have with God. And, you know, we hope our, our prayer and our hope is that every time you come here into this place, you're, you're going to encounter God, like, well, just encountered the Lord today and, and worship just the spirit of joy. And even that, you want to steward that encounter. If you encountered the Lord's presence today, steward that encounter, like, remind yourself throughout the week, like, man, that was just so amazing. The presence of the Lord's joy was just in the room. And it just prophesies. Anytime we remind ourselves of of an encounter with God, it's prophesying over us. It's prophesying to us about God, his nature. Oh, God is joyful. He he like loves his children. He wants us to, to live full of joy. So we need to have memorials in our lives that remind us of our encounters with God. About 10 years ago, I was driving, um, I had to go to downtown Phoenix, and I was got on the 51 going south, and this song, uh, How He Loves, you guys remember that song? That song, How He Loves, came on, and I'd never had an experience like this before. I'd had experiences with God's peace, with his presence, but this was different. Um, as that song came on, the presence of God's love came into the, the car. And it was like this liquid love that just like came over me as I was in this car and I just began to weep and weep and I just felt so held and loved in the presence of God. And one of the takeaways I had from that uh, experience was like, wow, all the things I worry about are really meaningless. Because in that presence of love, I just felt so protected, so surrounded that all the things I worry about, I was like, wow, those are really so trivial because I'm just so protected and so loved by the Father. I had another experience in, uh, right before we moved into this building, in our old church building, and uh, I was preparing on a Saturday night for, for my message, and I had worship music just on really loud. I was by myself, and I was just literally running around uh, the space. And um, I, I heard the Lord um, just say, stop. 
And so I stopped, and, and just as I stopped, it, I was on the, like, the worship playlist, and the song, um, uh, No Longer Slaves, song No Longer Slaves came on. And as that song came on, again, I had this encounter with God, just this liquid love came over me. I just began to weep and weep and weep, and it was just such a profound experience. Nothing that, you know, that there's nothing else like it. And so when have you, I want to ask you, when have you encountered God in your life? When have you experienced his presence? When have you encountered his peace? When have you encountered his love? When have you encountered his joy? You know, he'll encounter you in different ways. We need to celebrate even the smallest encounters in our life. Keep track of them. Keep track of the encounters that you have with God. Let's fill up our testimony wall over there. It's, it's got a lot of great, amazing testimonies. You know, uh, Dave, he really loved our testimony wall. He was over there just reading testimonies. But we need to fill up our testimony wall. And we need to fill up like the metaphorical testimony walls in our heart and in, in, in our homes. Um, someone came up to me after first service and he said, you know, I take pictures. He says, whenever I have like, like a, a great experience or an encounter, I'll take a picture and I put it up. I have a wall in my house where I put up that picture and that picture takes me right back to that experience, that encounter. So we need to have... These kind of things, these pillars in our life, these memorials that remind us of when we've met with God. And every time we, we look at those or we think about those, it takes us back to those places and it reminds us of God's character. It might look like journaling. It might look like getting in a habit with Getting, getting in a habit of just sharing your testimonies, sharing your encounters with God. Share them here. Share them with, with people that you know need them. Like let the Holy Spirit prompt you where you can just share the encounters you've had with God. It's prophecy every time you share. We need to share our testimonies with our children. Those of us that have children, we need to share our testimonies and our encounters with God with our children often so that they can even point back to that. There's going to be a mo moments in their lives. That's why what God does in your life is never just for you. It's never just for you. It's always going to flow in and overflow. And so we want to share our testimonies with our children because there's going to be moments in their lives where they're going to need that testimony. And they're going to remember, oh yeah, dad encountered God in a way that I need right now, or a mom encountered God in a way that I need right now. And that's prophesy, just them thinking about the testimony prophesies over their heart. This stuff's really powerful. We need to rehearse our encounters. Rehearse them, be ready to share them. I love what Dave said last week, get your testimony out, sharpen it up, get it ready. You know, when, when we did uh, evangelism last year, I would just rehearse sharing the gospel in my, in my head throughout the week. I, be, I just process with the Lord, like, Lord, I want to be really effective in sharing the gospel message in like a 90-second space. Like, how can I get more, more and more effective? And I would just rehearse, like, sharing the gospel message. But we can do that with our testimonies. We need to rehearse, like, what happened, and so we're just even can communicate them more effectively because when we communicate them, we're prophesying over people. If you want to prophesy, just share your testimony. So one of the ways you can prophesy. 
rehearse your encounters, hold them close. One thing that no one can argue with is your testimony. I have zero interest in arguing theology. And I'm not against, like, there's some people that that's their anointing. I'm not against that. But me personally, I just share my story. I've been out evangelizing and someone wants to start arguing theology. And there, there has been a couple times where the Lord just gave me something. But most of the time, I'm just sharing my story. I'm just like, well, this is what the Lord did in my life. Because it's, you can't argue with it. It's like, this is what God did in my life. And this is how I've encountered the Lord. No one can take that from you how you've encountered the Lord. No one can argue with that. So number one, we need to have memorials in our lives that remind us of our encounters with God. Number two, we need to have pillars or memorials in our lives that remind us of the miracles that God's done. I want to read Joshua chapter 4. This is actually out of the Living Bible. I love the Living Bible. This is, so this is out of the Living Bible. This, the Living Bible was written by a guy who, um, he would take passages of Scripture and during the day he would rewrite them to, so he could um, share them with his children at night. And he wanted to make it like, this is digestible for my children. And he ended up doing that with the whole Bible and that's what the Living Bible is. So this is the Living Bible, not New Living, but the Living so it's Joshua chapter 4, and this is right after the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan and into the promised land. So if you read this, if you read this encounter, and, and this week I read it in about seven or eight different translations because I wanted to just get multiple angles and pictures of this, this happening. And basically what happened is the moment that the uh, priests with the Ark of the Covenant stepped into the water, the water on one side... Um, started to dam up as if it were like an invisible dam holding it back. And then the water on the other side, they could see it just go away, just flow. And then the, wa the ground became instantly dry because it says they walked through on dry ground with without getting their feet muddy. So this is right after that happened. This is the very big moment. This is the children of Israel going into the promised land. So verse, <clears throat> verse 4. So Joshua summoned the 12 men. This is the 12 leaders of the tribes of Israel. And he told them, go out into the middle of the Jordan where the ark is. Each of you is to carry a stone on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes. We will use them to build a monument so that in the future, when your children ask, what is this monument for? You can tell them it is to remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of God went across. The monument will be a permanent reminder to the people of Israel of this amazing miracle. So we need to have pillars that remind us of the miracles of God in our lives. We've been blessed at this church to see so much uh, supernatural healing. But I want to share just briefly um, one of my favorite uh, stories that have happened in recent times. Uh, it happened about almost about a year ago. Chris Kildosher, our good friend who's been here many times and definitely will be back again. He was here last January and he called out um, PCOS. He said, women struggling with PCOS stand up. And we had a lady in our congregation stand up and he went and prayed for her. You can, by the way, you can see all this on YouTube. It's on our YouTube channel, this whole thing. He went and prayed for her, and she, you could see she was just encountering the Father, encountering God right there. 
And two weeks go by, she goes and gets scanned. Now this, this lady, um, she had, um, she's had problems ever since she had her first cycle. She almost passed away when she had her first cycle. Um, and she had multiple cysts. She had PCOS, endometriosis, multiple cysts, and so much scar tissue on her ovaries that in scans you could barely even see anything past scar tissue because it's just all scar tissue. She goes back two weeks later and gets a scan all the scar tissue is gone. All the cysts are gone. This is absolutely impossible. Scar, scar tissue doesn't go away. All of it gone. Her whole life she'd been told, you're, you're most likely not going to be able to have children because of this. All of it gone. And they, for the first time in her life, they tell her, there's absolutely no reason you can't have kids. Amen? Give God praise. Amen? If you don't get excited about that, then I, I, don't, I got nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> my wife Joy, the reason we're here today, one of the reasons is she had a radical heart healing uh, in 2011. And just, I know most of you have heard this testimony, but just a brief version of it is, you know, it was progressively worse. We didn't know what to do. The doctors wanted to do radical surgery. And in one moment, she gets completely healed. Someone came to our house, prayed for her, and she went from um, most of the time laying in bed and heart racing to 200 BPM out of nowhere to completely healed. And that changed our life. It marked our life because we, um, we had, we'd seen miracles, but we hadn't really experienced it much. And when that happened, it's, it's really hard to deny when it happens to you. So when it happened to us, we were like, what else are we missing? That's really what, we, uh, what turned us on to Bethel. We started looking, where, where is this happening? Because like, we're not seeing this happen around us. Like, where else is this happening? And we found Bethel where miracles are happening on a regular basis. In fact, they had a conference. Now my daughter's up there. She's a first-year student at BSSM. And uh, she got to be on the ministry team for the first time a couple weeks ago. She was so excited at a Randy Clark conference. And so she's like, oh, no pressure. And... Uh, but I heard them, uh, heard them talking recently. Uh, over a thousand people got healed when Randy Clark was there. They had uh, over a thousand healing testimonies, miracle testimonies. One of the most radical healing miracles in my life was, um, I think it was around 2015. I hurt my back uh, weightlifting, and. <clears throat> It was really bad. I could barely stand. I could barely go to the bathroom. Uh, I get home that night, and Joy took one look at me, and she's like, oh my goodness, what happened to you? And I said, I, I hurt my back today. And she, she goes, Daniel, stand up straight. I said, I am. She said, Daniel, stand up straight. I said, I am. She said, go look in the mirror. I went and looked in the mirror, and my shoulders were about an inch and a half to two inches off from one another. And it felt like I was standing straight and my shoulders were doing this. My back was so messed up. But I knew I needed a day, like a lot of people would have went right to the hospital. I knew I needed a day to, to exercise my faith. So that night, I laid in bed and my daughter, Tia, who was, I think, 10 at the time, she just, I still, I'll never forget, she just prayed these bold prayers of faith and just like, God, I know you're going to heal my dad. And, and, uh, and Joy prayed over me and we had other people praying. And that night I had uh, dreams that God was healing me. I had three dreams. It was the same dream three times. And, and in the dream, God was healing my back. And I woke up, that was a Friday night. I woke up on Saturday completely healed. Like shoulders back to normal, back healed, no pain. Like, like it never happened. Completely healed. 
So we need to make pillars out of our miracle stories. Now, if you need a miracle and or if you don't have your own miracle story and you need one, I, and I'm very serious about this, grab onto someone else's miracle story. Grab onto someone else's miracle story, that specifically the one that you need. Say, God, you did it for them. You'll do it for me. That's why we have our testimony wall. So that people can, that need financial breakthrough can go over there and be like, God, you did a miracle for this person. You'll do it for me too. There was a lady a few years ago that had fibromyalgia really bad. And I was sharing with her about that God can heal. And she just told me, she said, I just don't have any faith for that. And so I gave her this book and it was a Sid Roth book about, it was just all miracle testimonies. So the whole book was just about people that received healing miracles. So I gave her the book. She read the book over the weekend. She called me on Monday and said, I'm ready to get my healing. (laughs) Faith went up. What happened? She's reading all these healing testimonies and they were prophesying over her. God, Holy Spirit speaks through testimonies. The Holy Spirit all weekend is telling her, God wants to heal you. What God did for this person, he'll do for you. God loves you. He wants you to be well. He doesn't want you to be sick. All weekend long, she's getting pounded with these testimonies. And on faith, or on, on Monday, she's ready to be healed. We prayed for that week. She's completely healed. Yes, Lord. <laughs> what are the miracles that God's done in your life? And what are you doing to create memorials around them? One way to build a memorial is to share your miracle story as often as you can. Share it as often as you can. When you share your miracle with someone, the Holy Spirit is speaking to them through your miracle. The same thing happens in evangelism. One of the reasons evangelism is addicting and it's so fun. I was terrified to do it at first, but it it starts to become addicting because when you share the gospel with someone, you can feel the Holy Spirit show up and you could feel him speaking to their heart. There was was a a period for a few weeks where I would start to share the gospel and I just start to weep every time. (laughs) And these people are like, this is, you know, I don't know what they were thinking. But... Because I'd feel the Holy Spirit come, and I, I just get choked up every time. And I, like, I eventually stopped like, crying every time I was sharing the gospel. But, it was, but it's one of the fun things about evangelism is you feel the Holy Spirit come when you're sharing the gospel. And you feel the presence of the Lord there. So one of the ways you can steward your, your miracle testimonies and your healing testimonies is share them. Share them. Rehearse them. Get good at sharing them. Don't let them go forgotten. Don't forget what God's done in your life. Share it. Release it. Release it. It's the spirit of prophecy as you share it. As you're sharing your miracles with other people, it could just be breaking strongholds in the lives of the people that you're speaking to, strongholds against God's goodness. He could be telling them, God wants to do a miracle like this one in your life too. So as you share, the Holy Spirit's also speaking. If you're sharing with an unbeliever, the Holy Spirit could just be saying, God is real and he loves you. 
God is real. He cares. If you want to shift the atmosphere around you, just start sharing testimonies. If you need to shift the atmosphere, just start sharing testimonies. How many have heard uh, Levi's story about the testimony rampage? He shares it. He was in school, uh, BSSM, and he said he was having a really hard day. And he's like, I need to do something to just shift my own inner, inner world. And so he said, I'm just going to start sharing testimonies with every testimony I can think of with everybody I, I see today. And he said, by the end of the day, he just had shared, like, by the end of the day, he shared, like, hundreds of testimonies. And he's like, at the end of the day, I was, like, breathing fire. He's like, I was just so encouraged. And I was like, who needs, who needs, like, a miracle? Just like, let me share what God's done. And he's like, he got home that night, and he's like, I need to go tell my neighbors. And he, like, goes and knocks on their door, and he's like, I just got to tell you what God's done. you want to shift your atmosphere around you, just start sharing testimonies of what God's done. So number three, the memorials that we build in our lives remind us of the goodness of God. We need to build memorials in our lives that remind us that God is good. One of the things Bill Johnson says is the cornerstone of our theology is this. God is good. This should be the very cornerstone of our theology. God is good. Everything has to fit around that. The cornerstone's really fascinating to me, especially because um, I come from a long line of stonemasons. My great-grandfather was a, a stonemason. My grandfather and my father, all stonemasons. And uh, I had the privilege, what, a couple years ago, uh, Joy's sister let me build a stone uh, porch, like to put stone around her porch, and it was just a blast for me to do that. I kind of grew up around my dad doing it, but I'd never done one by myself, so I was nervous. I was on the phone with my dad the whole time. What do I do now? And it turned out amazing. It was really, really fun experience. But the cornerstone, uh, especially before the industrial age, it was a really important piece of the building, and it was always the first stone that was laid, and it determined the direction of all the other stones that were laid. It, um, it was also, uh, every, it was the thing by which every other stone had to match. So like growing up, my dad would do a lot of like reparative work where maybe he's repairing like a stone building that's several years old and some of the stones have fallen out. So if, if you were doing that in the time where you had a cornerstone and you were going to go and repair some of the stones that had fallen out, the first thing you would do is go to the cornerstone because all the other stones were supposed to match the cornerstone in, in both quality and color. So you'd go to the cornerstone and say, I need to add a stone, but I need to look at this to see what the other stones should be. So if we have things in our theology that don't line up with God is good, then those are things that we should reevaluate with God. Everything that we, we believe about God should fit with that cornerstone piece that says God is good, God is love. And if we have things in our theology that disagree with that, those are probably things that, there are areas of our life that we might be believing lies about the Father. We might be believing lies about his goodness. 
and who he really is. The stone that Jacob placed after experiencing an open heaven reminded him of his encounter that he had with God, but it also reminded him of the goodness of God and his willingness to share heaven with his creation. This was an open heaven encounter where he's experiencing heaven coming down and touching earth. And as he made that memorial, it reminded him about the goodness of God and that he wants to share heaven with us. The stone memorial that the Israelites set up after they crossed the Jordan River reminded them that God rescued them out of Egypt and delivered them into the promised land and that God is good. God is good. We need memorials that help us remember that God is good. Deuteronomy 6.12 says this, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. How many know that the picture of what God did at the Red Sea for the Israelites, that was a picture of our salvation? There was no way that they could get through. They were dead. Their enemy was coming. They were all warriors. They didn't even, they weren't warriors. They were going to get wiped out. And so unless God did something, there was no hope for them. They were completely dead. So God opens up the Red Sea for them. They go through the Red Sea on dry ground, and then all their tormentors, all their captors, all their slave owners come in after them, and the waters close, and it drowns all the past life, all the slave, slavery, all the tormentors. There's nothing, to the point to there's nothing to go back to. If they wanted to go back to slavery, they couldn't because all the slave masters were dead. There's no way back. <laughs> no way back. That's a picture of salvation. We could not save ourselves. And God did the impossible. He opened up the sea when we could not open it for ourselves. And we went through on dry ground. And our past life, all the old shame, the tormentors, all the yuck got drowned in the Red Sea behind us. So we can't even go back to it. Because it's dead. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. We need to remember our salvation testimony. How did God save us? What was our Red Sea moment? Our testimonies are to be passed down to the next generation so that our children know what God did for us in our life. So important that we pass the testimonies down. We need to like share our testimonies with our kids so much that they get sick of hearing them. But there's going to be a moment in their life where they need it. They need to remember that God is good and they're going to remember what you shared with them about his goodness, about miracles he's done in your life, or about times when he showed up, encounters that you've had with the Father. This, this is funny to me. My dad, I was talking to him about six or seven weeks ago. And uh, I was talking, he lives in Michigan. And I was talking to him on the phone and I happened to mention um, Daniel Kalenda. Do you guys know who Daniel Kalenda is? Great missionary, uh, not missionary, evangelist. Um, he took over for Reinhard Bonnke when Reinhard Bonnke uh, graduated into glory. 
And um, so I saw something with Daniel that inspired me, and I was sharing it with my dad. And my dad said, oh, yeah. I'd never heard this story. I'm 45 years old, never heard this story in my life. He goes, oh, yeah, uh, the calendars are probably the reason that the Willets are all saved. And actually, that's not what he said. He said, the calendars are the reason why the Willets are all saved. And I was like, huh? <laughs> never, wh- wh- why do you say that? So Daniel Kalenda is actually a fifth-generation evangelist. So his great-grandfather, it was cool because I, after my dad shared this with me, I went and like researched it out online and all this stuff fits together with this. But his great-grandfather in the early 1900s lived in Pigeon, Michigan. That's where all the Willets are from. The Willets came from England, went over to Canada and moved down into my line, went down into Michigan. And so starting with my great-grandfather came down into Michigan. And Daniel Kalinda's great-grandfather lived in Pigeon, Michigan, and he held a revival crusade in the early 1900s in Harbor Beach, Michigan, which is still very close to where my whole family lives. And my great-grandfather went to that meeting and got saved. So, so Daniel's great-grandfather led my great-grandfather to the Lord. I'd never heard that story in my whole life. And so now I have that to pass down. Like, this is the story of how the Willets came to know Jesus Christ. I have the whole story now. I never knew that. So we need these pillars in our lives of the encounters with God, of the miracles of God, of the goodness of God, of the salvation story. How did you get saved? What's your story? You need to rehearse this. You need to remember it for you, but also for others. Also for others, because it prophesies over others when you share it. Your pillars are not just for your benefit, but they're also for the benefit of others. Revelation 19.10, it's up on our testimony wall. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So that means when you share the testimony, you prophesy, and it's the spirit of prophecy that says, this is what's available. This is what God wants to do. You're saying, do it again, Lord. Do it again. This is why we need to contend for our own breakthroughs in life. Some people think it's, it's selfish to go after your own healing, your own breakthrough. It's, there's so many things wrong with that. But the, one of the reasons we need to contend for our own breakthrough is because it actually prophesies breakthrough to others. You need breakthrough in your life so you can give it to your children. My wife and I know that we can only give to others what we have to give. We can't give out of lack. We can't give out of what we don't have. So we have, we have things that we go after specifically in our life because we're like, if we don't get breakthrough here, we don't have it to pass on. Your breakthrough is your children's breakthrough. Your breakthrough is your neighbor's breakthrough. Your breakthrough is your coworkers' breakthrough. Your breakthrough is your extended family's breakthrough. So I want to encourage you. Let's just fill up that testimony wall. Let's just really fill that up. Let's, let's make it so we have to expand that area. Let's get good at stewarding the testimonies, the things that God's done in our life. 
Get good at stewarding it in your own heart. Put things that you bump into. Like I know my wife um, has things on her phone that just come up and it's like scripture and it's like reminders and it's like God loves you. He adores you. Have things that we just bump into that remind us of the goodness of God. We sometimes so easily forget what God's done. And I felt this really strongly. I was just going over my notes last night, and this, this I felt really strongly, just added it to my notes. Your breakthrough, the breakthrough that you need today, the breakthrough that you need right now, might be in just remembering what God's already done. The breakthrough that you need right now might just be in remembering. Oh, yeah, God, I remember what you did. You're going to do it again. The spirit of breakthrough is in your testimony. Amen.